Hi, I'm Adam Payne, the host of the Keeping It Business podcast. I'm a multiple small business owner, business mentor and growth coach. And if you'd like to know more on how to build a stronger, more profitable business, then please visit www.adampayne.me. Right, welcome to another Keeping It Business podcast. I have the lovely Sandy Hearn with us from Elite PA Solutions. Sandy, introduce yourself and all about your business. Hi, Adam. So thanks for having me here. <laughs> Made it eventually. Um, so my business is Elite PA Solutions. We're a virtual PA agency based in the West Midlands. I'm myself and based in rugby. The team is dispersed throughout the UK. So we support non-exec directors, um, independent business owners, really people who've stepped off the corporate ladder and are setting up on their own. They're used to having that PA support and that true right-hand support. Um, and then that's where we come in, uh, paid by the hour for as much or as little as you need. Excellent, excellent. So, and, and, and there are there a range of services that you do within, within that uh, as well. And uh, is there a particular... Uh, business person that you're after size of business and um... yeah I think um, primarily it is that traditional PA support so lots of diary management um, lifestyle management things travel everything across the board on that front um, event management has come into it um, pre-COVID where we've organised things and then travelled to, to Europe to attend those events on behalf of our clients. Um, so it's really, I think, as the team has grown and it's not just me in the business anymore, our ability to deliver has widened, um, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. exactly what you want. Fantastic, that is. So we do, I don't really do social media and things. We obviously do that in our own business, but it's not a service that I promote. Um, if somebody was looking for support with that, then there is the capacity and the ability within the team to do it. But it's not what we've attracted. We seem to have attracted that premium level of support where they need to know that we're going to be proactive. We're going to think for them and make decisions for them. Um, types of businesses, it really is small independents. Um, as I said, so non-exec directors, they might sit on four or five footsie boards and they need support with the diary management side of that and you know the scheduling of everything that comes with that. Um, and then leadership coaches are becoming a bit of a theme within Elite PA Solutions at the moment. So that could be anything from podcasts to a book launch, which has just happened with one client. Um, so there's lots involved with all of that. And we just turn our hand to all of it. Fantastic. That's what, yeah. exactly what you want. So <laughs> where did it all? Oh, well, actually, so from a career point of view, where did it, where did it start off for you within your career? Um, so when I left home, my parents were living in Papua New Guinea at the time. So I was like 17, just over 17, and I came to the UK. They were British originally. And I started out um, wanting to be a solicitor. Oh, so okay. I started at Northampton doing the legal exec course, um, which I didn't pursue in the end. I then, for family reasons, really, I left and moved back to South Africa, which was where we were in our early childhood. And... At that time, I got involved within hospitality. So I was front of house uh, within hotels out in South Africa. After my 21st, came back to the UK because my parents had come back here. And uh, that's when I went to London. So I started off at the Hilton on Park Lane, doing the same front of house, having a fabulous time because although we were poorly paid, the social life was fantastic. Um, so made some great friends from all over the world, really, during that time. And I think once I'd had my fix of that and realised that actually I loved my job, but I wasn't being paid particularly well. And by being a PA, I could be paid more. So I then found myself a PA role. I don't have any kind of formal qualification as a PA. I would say I'm just a born organiser. 
um, and just like to get into the detail of what goes on. So, so that's when I started out in a property consultancy as a PA within HR. Um, and a few years later was what, mid twenties. I backpacked for a period, went to Australia. A friend from the Hilton was getting married. So I went out there and I, I was on a working visa for a year. Um, and then came back and that's when I started at Spencer Stewart as a PA to uh, the partner within the board practice, board and consumer practice she was at the time. And I started that job having told the agency I did not want to work for a woman. And actually within two weeks she had offered me the job because I had gone in as a temporary cover and then she said I want you to stay. And I'm still in touch with her today. She's now retired, but that was 25 years ago. So it's amazing how we do. It. Yeah, it's amazing how we do come across these certain individuals that do play a big part in your life. Uh, you know, Definitely. early on and, and stay with you. I, I've got a, a few of them that uh, that um, have stayed with me right from an early career, and I'm still with now and still uh, in the we still mingle in the same circles. Uh, now. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a boss, she taught me a huge amount. Um, and I think that's what I value about that relationship. And actually, I was an important part of her role there. She fully knew that she couldn't deliver what she needed to deliver without my support. Um, and having a boss like that, you know, makes you want to do more for them, doesn't it? Someone yeah. who appreciates and values you and respects you, really. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to backtrack. Because okay. I'm intrigued as why you didn't want to work for a woman. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, it's naivety, I guess. I was young. I had worked within hospitality. It was a very mixed environment. When I then took on my first PA role, it was working for a woman um, as her PA. She was a personnel officer at the time. And I just felt that she was holding me back she wasn't promoting me or pulling me forward or so and I don't know what I based that on really that was just the feeling I had so after a couple of years I thought no if I want to progress I need to move and it is naivety because I straight away said to the agency I don't want to work for a woman um, and now actually I haven't totaled it up but I would say maybe 50 60 percent of our client base is women yeah, okay. Um, so there's still a mix within the client base. And I support three women, um, myself and uh, two men of what I do at the moment on, on client work. So, so it was naive and yeah, probably silly. But I'm glad I went for that job is the lesson that I learned because yeah. you can't judge it on one experience or one situation. You have to take what you learn from that situation and still go on to the next. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I, again, I'm intrigued around this. And the reason I'm intrigued around this is that um, the live that we did on Facebook last night was about gut feel and intuition. Mm. And your gut feel was, I don't want to work for a woman. What made you change your mind? Well, obviously this woman made me change it and the agency begged me to go along I, am a, I haven't listened to that live on Facebook, but I did see it and I thought, oh, I must listen to that because I do rely on my gut a lot in my business and my, yeah, my sense, that intuition. But is it always right? I would say 90% of the time it is right, is it not? Oh, right. Okay. Now, this is, now there is, there is, a, so I do use gut feel and generally mm -hmm. it is, in ethical and moral situations because they're emotion based mm -hmm. business decisions though and this is where i was coming back to it from you from this point of view is business decisions if we make and rely on gut feel it's generally we uh can be a case that we are getting out of our comfort zone uh, so if you take your example of what, how, of what you said, I don't want to work for a woman. Mm. And let's say that decision had stopped at that and you didn't work for that woman. Mm. 
without doing the research and getting into it, you've missed that opportunity that you had and all that learning you had from this lady. Yeah. Okay. Based on a gut feel. So the where I come into this from a business point of view is turning around and saying, yes, you do have your gut, you've got your gut feel, but don't rob yourself of actually doing the research and the due diligence into that business decision. Don't just use your gut feel and switch it off. Mm. Actually research and manage by fact and see what happens because yeah. that will actually be probably different. And this is where I think that probably, yeah, because I'm quite, uh, I can be quite emotion driven, you know, and, yeah. and uh, I could make a decision on the spur of the moment and go off in a completely different direction, which is the wrong direction. Um, you know, nine times out of 10, probably for me, because I'm, I'm, I'm mm. you know, can fire off and just go off, get the, with emotion, make the decision gone because I'm, I'm that quick in making a decision. Whereas if you reflect, research, yeah. manage by data, you'll make a more informed decision. Still marry it up with your, with your gut feel um but yeah no two ways about it gut feel on ethical moral, moral things you know like i was saying last night is i could i could write an email as i'm writing the email and i'm sitting there just about to click send offs as i've read, read through it and i start to think oh do i really need to send that yeah that's a flag for me because if i'm asking myself do i really need to send it that's a gut feel don't send it <laughs> yes exactly so uh so so it plays a part it's just on these business decisions that uh, is uh there's i've seen almost like you're, yeah you're almost listening to it but you're still gonna do it yeah but actually you've got the awareness of how you made that decision so you will always think i remember how i felt about this and actually this is now as it's you know panning out two or three months ahead you can see that perhaps it's yeah. okay to go and take that risk to go with it yeah um, but you're not ignoring that gut feel, are you? No, you're just, acknowledging it's just, it. So no, it's just acknowledging it and then saying, actually, I need to do a little bit of work here. Yeah. To find out exactly if this is the right way. If my gut's telling me I shouldn't. Yeah. But go and do the uh, research into it because you may find a whole host of different more uh, information. Yeah. And make but also, a far would more you, informed decision. Would you say it also comes with experience? Because um, when we're in our twenties, we're a bit. I think it does now. Now, if that's a good question, is it? I don't think who's interviewing who here. Um, <laughs> that's that's the a good way question. I like it. <laughs> um, the, now you see, I'm an engineer, so we were always um, brought trained to manage by fact, yeah. never by emotion. Mm. what's happening observe and take information get information know your numbers you know look at that research uh, and uh, look at the data what's it telling you mm. so it's instilled in me so i don't i don't really know much difference still get obviously yeah. still get the gut feel but i don't really know any difference so but yes i would i could i could definitely say because your emotions as you're younger you tend to i don't know fly off Yes. You, know, you might have a short temper fly off quicker and things like that. You know, I, I've got a short temper now, but I know how to, I know how to manage it. But um, same yes, as my daughter exactly. has. But um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it is, and that's what we were discussing last night. And that's it. And that's what made me maybe that's what intrigued me around that is because you could, oh a, yeah, rob yourself of that absolutely yeah. fantastic information that you got all based on a gut feel. I've got motion. And not, yeah, not even when you look at it from the financial point of view, which, you know, we all look at that at times, don't we? I think I nearly doubled what I was earning when I made that move. And I was almost like, wow, they're seriously going to pay me this much to do this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it was a completely different role to the role before. And I had complete authority to, you know, make the decisions. And we were a team. Um, and that's what's so important, I think, in any any relationship, whether it's working or between clients or it's the relationship and the communication that it all comes down to. It is. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And when you look back at that, uh, that time with the, that lady, 
what, what sort of things did you really take away from it and the learning from her? Um, I think almost her structure, her way of operating, the way that she she dealt with people no matter what their level. So we were an executive search at that time. She was dealing with, you know, big CEOs and, you know, recruiting and headhunting for them. Um, she valued everybody around her to contribute their piece in order for her then to deliver the candidate that they needed um, or wanted because they were headhunting people. She was just open and honest and yeah, she was human. Um, and I always remember in the early days, you know, you would collect somebody from reception in those days and you would take them to a meeting room and offer them a coffee. And I would do all of that. And it could be the, you know, CEO of, I don't know, Sainsbury's or Tesco's or something. And she would come, she would wait for me to come back from having made the coffee and say, so what were they like? And I was like, pardon? She's like, how were they? And then I learned that what she was looking for was how they interacted with me, how they treated me as a PA, as her PA, um, because it comes back to she couldn't deliver what she needed to without me um, or without the support of her PA. And once I'd met them, which she also felt was really important, is if I'd met them, then when they called about something and she was in a meeting, they would talk to me as if they knew me because they'd met me. Mm. Um, and then I would obviously meet their PAs as well. And then the communication would become between PA to PA. And I think a lot of people underestimate, well, do they? I don't know. From where I've seen, they do underestimate the value of that relationship between two PAs because we really do build the relationship and then if something that I'm needing or my boss is needing, I'll just go to the PA and she'll be like, leave it with me. And two hours later, we've got it. Um, and that's PA to PA rather mm. than, you know, yeah, we are gatekeepers, but the intention behind the gatekeeping is to protect the person that you're working for, but also to help move things on and keep yeah. things moving. It is, um, the thing for me is, is that it, it's, I mean, I've I've used the, the the term gatekeeper. We tend to use that term gatekeeper in a sales or marketing uh, position. Um, and in some respects, it's 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 not very flattering, really. In my, this is me, in my view, in my opinion, it's not very flattering. You know, uh, to call somebody uh, uh, an exact PA to call an exact PA a gatekeeper because having had them work with them mm. they are just mm. keep you in line keep you organized give you so much time back to give you focus they are worth their weight in gold um so but yeah, I think it's all, it just also comes back to different people have got different characters haven't yeah. they and they feel well they're only going to deal with x they're not going to deal with somebody below but actually if they opened their mind and dealt with the pa um then, you know, it's been a long time since I was office-based in an industry, so things might have changed. But, <laughs> but, but I think you I think you uh, hit it on the head earlier when you said it's it's human. It's human to human. It's mm. like sales, it's human to human. Yeah. It's, um, so, you know, and I've never, I've never got this, this, how we can, you get me on a rant, how we can, <laughs> disregard people just because of their position in what they do that that annoys the hell out of me yeah. Yeah. that annoy because everybody within the business has has a value added to that business in making sure that uh, yeah, it absolutely. performs properly and to its best so yeah. it annoys the hell out of me that does yeah so was that so from that like from the um from working with that lady was that the you, you then decided uh, to set up your own business or did you go into yeah. some... so I really I you know I talk about this role like I was there for 20 years I wasn't I was there in the office for probably seven years I think it was um, 
and I was living in London at the time and then obviously I'd got married and we were expecting my first daughter so we moved out of London at that point and came up to the Midlands and I commuted for a year while I was pregnant but she always knew that I wouldn't come back to a bum on seat role and this is 17 years ago this June that I left um, and I left on the basis that I couldn't come back to an office-based role and of course there was no role for me to work from home which to me the role could have been done from home um, but yeah it was all we're not setting a precedent there was 35 EAs in the office if they did it for me they'd have to do it for everybody um, or within how, time they would have to do it for everybody how so, times have changed <laughs> exactly um, so I did go back and work part-time for them um, quite quickly after I'd had Abby but it wasn't for the full scope of the role so I really was doing the back office stuff and I was being a support to all the other EAs in the office which was fine and it served its purpose but I was underutilized. I wasn't using my brain. It was demoralizing and all of those things. But again, for that period of, you know, 2004 to 2012, I was working part time for them. I had my second daughter. Things change in life. Um, and by 2012, they were both at school. They were both settled in school. And I thought, well, do you know what? Actually, the chairman of that business contacted me and said, I've got a friend, she writes for Vogue, she's looking for transcription work to be done, and I'm like, fine. But all of my equipment was their equipment. He said, doesn't matter, just use it. I said, well, what do I charge her? Charge her what you like. So I did. <laughs> and actually, I just did that on top of my 20 hours a week for them. And then it really got me thinking that I still had all of these skills that I was missing. Um, so I'd seen an article in Woman and Home of a, a virtual PA at the time, Alicia Cowan, and she was talking about her VA business. And I thought, well, that's what I'm doing. So that's what I started to do. So between 2012 and 2014, I was at that point single mum. And I then went to working my 20 hours a week for my employed role and 20 hours a week in my business. So I was working day and night because I did, you know, two days for the employed role and three evenings. And then I found clients that I could fit into the other days. And my very first client who joined me back then in 2012 is still with me today. He won't go. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he needs to go, but I do keep saying I could really pass you on to an associate. And he's like, no, trust you, like you, want to work with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose there is that personal, uh, um, so, you know, relationship as well that comes into it from that side. Uh, but then also when I look back as, you know, because it is quite daunting to start out and know that actually um, my employed role was providing what we needed but I knew within time I would have to work hard for a good few years but within time I could start to see the benefits of my business yep. so that was a really important decision and that's just my work ethic is I would rather be working than not working um, so when I made that transition and started to talk about my business a lot of people who'd left that company that I was with they became my greatest ambassadors. And I was quite surprised because we knew each other, we worked together, but I didn't know that they thought so highly of me um, because I think what I do, everybody does. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and it is, it is those perceptions that we do have with internally with ourselves can actually be a stumbling block as well within yeah. that, um, or a limiting factor until we can get through that barrier. Mm. so coming back to this this split of the the temporary role and building your business your uh a freelance as, as you, you might say i suppose at that yeah. point how did you find that in trying to build that what was the hardest thing you found in doing that 
initially, when I look back, I wish I'd done it sooner, um, left the employed role, but it was purely financially driven for me when I was, yeah, when I could support myself with what I had on the BA side, I, I ditched the employed role in effect. Um, and I think for the first three years of my business, I was an employee in my business. I literally won the clients and worked for the clients. Um, so I wasn't really building or progressing my business as such. It was only really in 2017 that I thought, do you know what? I can keep working for everybody myself or I can make the transition to start to grow. Um, I think when you first start out, it's really daunting because you think that you need everything just perfect and in place. But actually the most important thing for me was I needed the equipment, I needed the insurance so that I was protected and I needed to, to have the clients um, to actually start earning. Mm. So I think we overthink that we've got to have our website, we've got to have our, all our social media channels, you know, tickety-boo and I don't think we do. I think that comes as we grow. But to begin with, I think you just need to be earning. Hmm. Um, no, so yeah. The, 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 yeah, exactly. You know, is is you need money in the door uh, and helping and supported. Um, and things do change as they grow. So, yeah, and I think we are when you look at it i always look at it from a, if you're on your own point of view you 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 you're uh, restricted by your own capacity yeah so you're a potentially six figure could probably push into seven figures i would say more than likely six figure mm. five to six figure no six figure wouldn't you six bigger business that you can get to probably as a singular person but then if you want to grow then you've got to bring other people in mm. uh, to release some of that capacity and, and train some of that capacity and and scale and grow again um like you, like you've done from your business around you know bringing in uh, the different people yeah uh, exactly. and that just sets you on a different track again then so how did you find that transition uh in going from being on your own now to having an mm. associate mm. with you? I think um, once you've done it, it's like anything when you're doing something for the first time. You are worried about it. You are scared about it. I found my first associate. I didn't know her. Um, I knew the client because he was former Spencer Stewart where I'd worked and I was honest with him I said I can't do it myself I will need to find you somebody and that's what I did um is, it, is that the point where you actually thought actually I could do more of that and that set, set you in a I different... knew it was a model within the BA industry yeah. um yeah. I just never thought that I could do it maybe um, but when I had that initial call in my office-based role, I recruited, I did the first stage of interviewing of PAs. Um, obviously the PA agency would send CVs, I would screen them, I would meet a handful and then I would introduce them onto the partner. Um, so I thought it's confidence again. Mm. So you, yeah, I just, I used all of those skills that I had mm. to then find people with on, to bring onto my team. And that's what I did. The first associate I did, um, they were working together for about six months, nine months maybe. And then they decided that they wanted to work together um, and take me out of it. So that was, you, you think, oh gosh, wasn't expecting this. Um, but I did work through that and I ended up selling the client contract um, to that associate. And I believe they are still working together today. So, you know, that's great. They've got a perfect match by Sandy Herm <laughs> and they're still working together. It, it didn't burn my fingers, but it was an experience, um, which I was pleased with the result of. But then I'm quite, um, yeah, I'm financially astute and I just think I'm not going to 
just say, okay, fine, go and work together. It's like, hang on, this is my client. Um, so we did work that through. Um, and since then, I've bought on, what, six, seven other associates, mm. and some of them are working with more than one client of mine. Um, and, you know, they value that because they may just be starting out or they may be struggling to find their own clients. Did you change anything contractually from, from I was just going to say, so it was a big learning ground, yeah, because there is so much within the T's and C's and contracts. Yeah, uh, so I, I won't uh, say exactly no, what I've done yeah. there, but yes, there's some numbers involved now. No, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, is the, is, the, is the same thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I did work. So again, from you know, for, uh, absolutely valuable experience. Yeah. And a valuable learning because it, it's bridged the gap that was there. Yes, put exactly. Put something in place. Yeah. So, so and you know, know, a lot of what I was involved with at Spencer Stewart because they were submitting proposals, and so the process I learned from there really. Yeah. And, you know, the business development, the communicating with clients, um, that doesn't phase me to have conversations with my clients, whereas it can other people who haven't been, you know, exposed to that level within their working life, I think. So and, that, and there is a definite difference as well. It is for, for working at that level yeah. uh, for some big clients. There is a, there is a definite difference um, and you can see that um you know you know i i could see that because i mean we've known each other a little yeah. while now and i could see that that level um so that all comes back to that role and yeah. and you know that particular lady Anne that i worked for and others within that organization as i said who have supported me and you know referred clients to me and things so yeah, yeah. so if you is there anything that you would um i can say wish you'd have known that you didn't know at that point? I think for me, when I look back at it, I think I wish that when I was settled in that employed role, I knew about this world of self-employment or freelance or, you know, having your own business, because there's definitely lots of, lots of it out there. And there was 20 years ago, but it wasn't on my radar at all. So I think if I'd known about that in my late 20s, you know, really, I didn't come into my business by default, but actually my business solved my problem. And that's how I got into business because I needed the flexibility and I needed to be there for school runs, etc. Um, so it solved that problem. But had I have known about that before I thought about having children, I, I wish I'd known that because I would have started to set up the business at that point. Mm. And then gone off to have my children. Um, so it's hindsight, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. It is hindsight. Okay. So I'm going to move on to some questions now. We've been going for about 40 minutes. Um, so one of them, which is at the top ones, I've just looked over here because I've got it written down. I've just looked over here. One of them was, what What do you wish you had known when you first started out? But you, you, you've answered that. Uh, what uh, yeah? What do you think your unique skill is? Unique skill. Well, I don't know the the ability to talk to people and communicate with them. I guess in terms of just being open and honest, and mm. um, but then organisation as well. And that's where I. My life's it, organized within an inch of it. <laughs> when I, because uh, I, as I say, as I've, I've known you and met you, the organization is definitely that ability to communicate at any level. Mm. I can see that as well. But you're also, when you make your decision to do something, you do it and you do it to a very high standard. Yeah, I think our clients would say it's that premium level of service that we're yeah. delivering, because although they might only be, um, you know, requesting 20 or 30 hours a month, it's the responsiveness um, 
we're not saying we're not available for two days we're you know we're here and we're responding to stuff and we're dealing with stuff um even if it is 20 hours a month that we're supporting them for. And again, that comes down to communication because I talked about my very first client and I, he knows that I say it, he's quite low level because I do 20 hours a month for him. But I always say to him, just send me an email with urgent in the subject line. If you need it urgently, I will get it back to you for what you need. But anything else, he will just send and send and send and I can just put that in when I want to. Um, so it's just setting your process mm. um, and communicating to clients, you know. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. I was going to say, is there, have, have, have you ever had any moments when you thought, shit, I wish I'd never have done this? Um, no, I don't. No, yeah, I wish I'd done it sooner. Yeah, just um, wish I'd done it sooner. Yeah. I guess pre-COVID, there was a little bit of times where I thought, oh, I really need to be in an office not as an employee, not in a million years, but just to be somewhere where there was other people. So whether it was a co-working space or something like that, that I went to a day or two a week. And I think that was just coming back to, you're always in your home office. Um, there's nobody coming or going, which I quite like because I can just get focused and get on with what I need to do. But there is days where you have that bit of a blip and you think actually I could just do with having a coffee with somebody or chatting something through. So things like that, I was starting to think, oh, do I need a co-working space? Since COVID and we've all been forced just to be at home, I seem to have just got comfortable with being here mm. and not feeling like I need to go and have coffee somewhere or so whether that comes back or not, because I did think at some points, or oh, maybe I need an office um, but then it's an overhead that I don't need. I've got an office, yeah. The door yeah. gets closed at the end of the day, and yeah, that's and that's how I look at it. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, a, I mean, so, uh, talking about the hub, that is that is another adventure that I do want to do. Mm. I was just about to sign the dotted line in March of 2020. Oh, right. Uh, and then um, the COVID uh, lockdown yeah. happened. I've had a few um, people mention how they've had lucky escapes on things where their office lease was coming up for renewal and they've managed to downsize what they needed and things. But yeah, no. And I think uh, I, I mean, I'm still in communication with the, with the gentleman. He, he has a lease it because it's a training room and then there's another room off of that that I was going to create a, a uh, business hub in. Mm -hmm. hot desk seats for exactly that reason as you were saying is that i was getting a lot of people turn around and say i could just do with uh somewhere to go for yeah. uh, one or two days a week yeah uh, and that sort of like thought oh, okay i know exactly the, the spot mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. so i will still i think go down that route uh, mm. how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things within your own yeah, so I have been part of a, of a group, which I have just come out of, which was a BA group, um, where there would be different learning events and things happening. Um, yeah, I think it's different. I do, I have worked with a coach in the past, which has helped me, you know, just continue to step up and step out. Mm. Um, and there's different online things that you can join on you know, all sorts of things. So I do a little bit of it. I don't say I do a huge amount of it. Networking, you learn from others. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing more of that in the last couple of years than I did before. So, and then you just suddenly realize how much you do know. <laughs> yeah, because I know you've, 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 you've done, gone into different things within Elite PA as well. Um, because you've done and created online courses as well now haven't you uh, yeah so that's really off the back of covid um yeah. not that the client base was impacted but i think the work that i was doing with my non-exec directors um did reduce slightly because there was no travel involved there was no flight bookings or things like that so i then started to think about how i could share my knowledge and experience as a pa with anybody who perhaps is never going to want to work with us or work with another VA, 
but could learn something from you know the diary tips or the time management tips that I've been sharing on the online courses so that was purely the angle I was coming at that from I had the time to do it so let's put it out there yeah. Um, yeah. which has been good because again when I started that I had no idea what portal I was going to use or how I was going to host it or how I was going to record it or anything so you learn and again yeah. you know you help me out um, with yeah. the portal and things but you, you learn as you go and actually if you don't push yourself then you're never going to learn no, am no. I totally up to you know the CRMs and different things like that? No, if we've got something that a client's using and we need to learn, then we'll learn it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. is there anything else on the horizon for you? In you know, because you've taken that online course and, and you've done that, is there anything else that you'd like to do? Uh, within the business as well have you got ideas on you sound that like you have a few of your own adam <laughs> <laughs> you know me i'm always i'm always thinking of different things i am but, uh, um there... no i think for me you know you can spend a lot of time watching what other people are doing um to me in my heart is the traditional pa support um so to build and to continue to grow the clients and the team or even just, you know, fill up the team to capacity in terms of the clients that they're supporting. Mm. Um, that's really where my focus is. There is another course in the pipeline. Um, only, only a thought at the moment. I haven't actually put pen to paper on that yet. <laughs> no, I, I, funny enough, behind me here, there's a, there's a board of all the course. There's 13 up there. And you know, the, the mentoring and things are in the back of my mind. You and yeah. I have talked about that. And yeah. I think, you know, in five years' time it would be quite nice perhaps to to give something back on that front and do that. Mm. Um, but at the moment, I think for the next few years it's still I love to be involved in what I'm doing and you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so uh, that's a good question here then uh, based on that what makes you feel inspired or like your best self it doesn't have to be work related yeah i just you know in the last year i've spent a lot of time on myself and my self-care because i think for so long i've worked so hard um in the business but also you know raising two kids and providing and all of it I, I read Miracle Morning, so I do carve out time for myself. Um, I do walk and yoga. Um, I think the biggest thing when people actually say something so lovely about what you've done, that just picks me up and keeps me driving forward because I think sometimes we, we forget to stay in our own lane of what we're doing. And I think it's so important that we do because there's millions of people out there who need support. Um, and we've just got to stick doing the support that we do and what mm. we know that we do well and what we deliver well on. So. Yeah, absolutely. I've got some standard ones here that I do ask. <laughs> I do normally ask everybody. So then there's two. One's quite long. But this one is, if you had, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? One life, live it. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. Because life's a cycle. We're not yeah. here forever. No. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely that. Are you big? We had this other conversation because you, you mentioned, it's just, it's just made me think of, um, the gut feel and intuition we were talking about. Mm. Uh, do you believe in this uh, law of attraction thing? Have you ever come across the law of attraction? Yeah, I do, because I do believe what you give out, you get back. Okay. Don't you? <laughs> okay, yeah, like a karma sort of thing is, is if you sit somewhere along the line, yeah, I do believe in that. Law yeah. of attraction, I'm because there's a book around called The Secret, which I've read, it's down here. Oh, okay. I've got it down here, it's called The Secret, and it's all about, uh, you know, if you think about it, oh, I, I, I don't know, but I was, if you think about it and get this affirmation oh, yeah, in your yeah. head, 
visualize it will, it will come to you and i think no it, it, if your passion is there to find it you will find and do actions to get yourself there yes i it's think I'm a bit, yeah yeah uh, you can't just dream about it and no yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's just my opinion on it others will be different yeah no i think i'm with you on that so if in 150 years science fails to save us and all that is left is a book about your life what would the title be oh adam <laughs> <laughs> and what would the blurb tell us about sandy Hearn? strong independent woman <laughs> <laughs> would that be the title the or would that be the blurb? Say, um she never wanted it <laughs> she got that <laughs> superb um, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, that's like real. I think, yeah, you've only got yourself to rely on, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but <laughs> I think, again, what you go through reminds you of that. And I, I do say it to my girls really often, not negatively, but I do say, think about yourself mm. and think about where you want to be. Um, because people come and people go in and out of our lives and we can't, you know, no. No, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, in difficult moments, how do you stay focused? Um, I walk away a lot. Uh, I yeah. think if I'm really under pressure or overwhelmed, I will put the dog on the lead. Therapy on the lead it is. And then I come back. And yeah, breathe. Yeah. I do. I, I've been using the Headspace app for a long time and um, it does work. <laughs> Just taking five deep breaths and continuing. So yeah, again, absolutely. you know, as you get older, you get wiser, don't you? Is there one thing, the most important thing that you've learned in your life? in your from a business perspective um difficult I question i just think you've just got to be yourself and you've got to follow what you yeah what you believe and trust what you just have to be honest no yeah i, 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 I think we it, but. no i think we <laughs> I think sort of, so we shy away from being direct. I'm very direct. And I, I am, <laughs> you know, so, and I think we shy away from that too much sometimes. You don't need to be harsh. You don't need to be nasty with it. It's just being di direct, open, mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. And I think we miss that. I think we. I expect that. that back a huge yeah. amount. And I, I really don't understand sometimes why you don't get that back. Yeah. But then I have to remind myself, and my dad always used to say, it's, um, it takes all sorts to make the world go round. Yeah. So you might not agree with what somebody else is doing or how they're conducting themselves, but they are part of the world as well. So if we were all the same, it wouldn't function, would it? That'd be boring as well. Yeah. It'd be boring. <laughs> um, how about this one then? What's something people seem to misunderstand about you? That I'm a strong, independent woman. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. I, I would have said, because I would have, in seeing you in the networking and, and the meetings, that certainly comes across. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think people think I'm confident, but maybe not quite as confident as I come across. <laughs> Because <laughs> so is that more internally with you than in, mm, is I that, think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's how you it's how you see yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Too, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're our own worst critic at yeah. the end of the day. Whoever we are, we we've all got that chatter in our head. Yeah. Because you because most people when they they because uh, they when they've asked me around this is I'm not confident. I'm an introvert. I'm not mm. extrovert, and people are surprised by that. I can be when I want to be, and I can use it. Yes, uh, but exactly. I'm more introverted than I am extroverted. Yeah, um, I think in 
like the last three or four years as I've really grown and, you know, I was asked to present at a women in business conference and a seminar. And I thought, oh my God, why is she asking me? Does she want me to fail? And I agreed. And then I kind of park it until like two weeks before. And then I think right now I need to do the prep and I need to pull myself together over this. Um, but I can remember my youngest, she must have only been 12 or 13 at the time. And she said to me, mommy, she said, you'll be fine. Just go and do what you do and they'll love you. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I think once I had done that and then you see the reaction and how supportive everybody was, it's almost like a feather in your cap where you think, well, actually I can do this. So then you're gonna push yourself to do the next thing that's pushing you on. Um, I think it's just taking that first step. And at that time, I found that great um, acronym, FEAR, false evidence appearing real. And I love that. And I just remind myself of that every time I'm thinking, oh no, I don't think I can do that. We can do it. We've just got to take the steps to, to achieve mm. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. That's good. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good uh, point to end on as well, that is. So before we do end, where can people find you? So we've got uh, internet, and I'll put the I will put the links and everything because I'll put a little bio in the description oh, of the podcast, and I will put the links in there as well. Thank um, you. But uh, website so is uh, com. Yeah. Any? I know you're on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm not hugely, but I am there. Um, I think it's at Elite PA Solution on there. And I have got a Facebook business page as well okay. called Elite PA Solutions. Well, I will put, I will put them in the links uh, in, the, uh, in the description. But yeah, I mean, mainly it's LinkedIn for me. Yeah. 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 So, right. so thank you very much. I hope it hasn't thank been too you. painful. Oh, no, it's been lovely to talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you Thanks very much. for having me, Adam. Not a problem. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts.